So we're wearing these stoles today, which work just fine for Juneteenth, um, but unfortunately also work just fine for gun violence awareness, um, and unfortunately are very appropriate again today. So today we've decided at St. Luke's to observe Juneteenth, um, not just because I'm from Texas. Uh, Juneteenth is our newest federal holiday. That doesn't happen very often. It is not a day yet of commemoration for the Episcopal Church, but my guess is that's about to change. But we do have a prayer for it, and you heard that as our first prayer today. So I'm from Texas, where Juneteenth is celebrated as the day, or remembered if not celebrated, but celebrated by some, in 1865, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, that um, Texas got the news. It's a very Texas story. Out there, isolated from everyone else's networks and power grids and apparently information from the capital in a time of war. So in the 18, back in the 1860s and sort of today, right? General Granger arrives on a Union ship at Galveston Island and declares that the Civil War is over, has been over which meant that slavery had ended in the United States of America. It's a shocking idea to be fighting a war that has been settled, right, for a few extra months because you didn't get the news or someone decided not to share the news. So, and as you might be thinking, there are some that contest the idea that it was not known. But if it was, it was not widely distributed. The reality of the Emancipation Proclamation was that it was used to get formerly enslaved people to fight for the Union Army and to be free. Not hard to imagine why that news didn't get spread anywhere it didn't need to be spread. So can you imagine, or maybe better yet, have you had an experience of someone telling you something about yourself that you did not know? that changed everything, that could not possibly be true, that was very good but maybe so disorienting that going back to what was was the only thing you actually knew how to do. Well, these people heard, some, that the people they had owned and used as free labor would be collecting wages if they agreed to stay. And others heard that they no longer had to work for the person who had owned their lives and their families. And others who were not enslaved and owned no enslaved persons heard that the way work worked where they were in their communities had just changed significantly. Everything turned upside down. So it's interesting that the entire nation will now celebrate this day as the day that slavery ended in the United States. Any, well, if you were here at 8 o'clock, you know the answer to this, but just a raise of it. Does anyone know the day that is celebrated as Emancipation Day? Anyone? You can't, don't raise your hand if you were at 8. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's January 1st because the Emancipation Proclamation went into effect on January 1st. 1863. Now the problem is there's some other things that are celebrated on January 1st. Um, so no one, no one really, not many people track that, but some actually do significantly. Um, it is commemorated in many black communities with a New Year's Eve service called a watch night service, which 
the Methodists in the room might remember, watching for freedom is the watch night that is commemorated in black communities. And at, in New York at our cathedral, and I'm sure in other communities as well, but um, religiously in black communities. So John Wesley's service of covenant renewal called a watch night, right? A deeply spiritual and personal renewal that Wesley called his people to. That would have been us, right? Anglicans here in Georgia. Um, a, a personal holiness combined with the literal anticipation of legal freedom on January 1st, 1863. It's a powerful idea. So that would have happened, that does happen, and is kind of beautifully combined in the watch night. Not many Episcopal churches I know observe that for obvious reasons. Who wants to come to church on New Year's Eve, many of us would say, um, but some do, many do. So we're commemorating this day, this Sunday, because of the central place that freedom has in the Christian faith, as complicated as that word is for we in the United States of America. And you heard it in the re readings that we read today, connected with the freedom to liberate ourselves and others, our responsibility to do so. The mantle of Moses and Elijah that falls upon Jesus, for the prophet Amos, the day of the Lord, the putting right of all things, the aspiration of our worship and prayer and study, the right ordering of our lives. And we also heard in the readings today, and I'm sure you heard, there's almost a, a violence to it, right? What the readers read hate and actually put a lot of emphasis on it. It's an unusual word to hear in church. You can endure the violence of that psalm that we read beautifully, right? Beautifully chanting, smashing the heads of babies, right? And what a great metaphor for what we do, what we can make beautiful with our words, what we can decide in our commemorations is beautiful what we are contesting, what should be made beautiful and acceptable. But in the reading today, it said, the day of the Lord that we say we desire will be as if someone fled from a lion and was met by a bear, or went into the house and rested a hand and was bitten by a snake. It is as if the Bible were written in 2022 while watching our news cycle. Thursday, a gunman opened fire at a potluck for seniors at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Vestavia Hills near Birmingham, where I know many of you are from and have friends and family. An Episcopal Church, a church with a sense of humor like us, it was called the Boomer's Potluck, um, and it was for old folks, basically, as a Boomer's Potluck. A man who had come in and been welcomed by them and had been there before. We don't know why yet. Also, a boomer himself stood up and shot and killed three people in an Episcopal church at an evening potluck. A few days ago, June 17th, was the anniversary of the Emanuel Nine. June 17th in 2015, Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, where I know, again, many of you are from or connected, right? Nine, same idea meeting for Bible study, young man shows up, he is welcomed, sits with them, and then stands up and begins to kill them. I don't have an answer today. I don't have a conclusion. It is horrific, horrific. Days of reckoning in our nation. 
deciding what our values are, what we will fight for, who we will stand with. It was a decision to come here and be in a church this morning that I know for all of you, for many of you, wasn't easy, right? Because all the, the, the starting point has changed. Gathering together is beginning to feel anxiety producing. It already was, right? We've got masks, we've got vaccinations, but for a long time, it wasn't safe to be together. We're still careful in how we come together. We're grateful if you're watching online and doing what you need to do to be safe. But now it's not only that, I'm hearing from some of you, it's what's the plan if that happens here? What do we do? It is an act of courage to show up and sit here together. I am so grateful that you do it. Feels to me like the only thing we can do, one of the few things we can do to stand up in resistance to the terror of this time is to show up together. Of course, there are more things we can do. We can be a healthier society. We learned the painful truth over and over again that where one is vulnerable or one is weak, all of us are vulnerable. It's not theoretical right now. Our fried brains and emotions after two years of isolation and confronting the racial reckoning our nation is in and in the division in our politics that is fomented by extremists makes us more and more vulnerable. And these final acts, I don't think at all coordinated. I'm not a conspiracy theory person. I mean, maybe some of you are. I don't think they're coordinated. I think it's what happens when we do, when, what, what is happening among us is perpetuated. We have a history of racism. We have a history of white supremacy. We have a history of arming ourselves to protect ourselves. We have a history of rhetoric around gun ownership. Those histories collide in this time. We have a history of distrusting our government. We have a history of distrusting science. As it all collides and our mental health falls apart individually and collectively, it is no surprise at all that the kind of violence we see in our streets, in our churches, in our elementary schools, in our movie theaters, in our grocery stores, in our shopping malls, in our places of work, is where we find ourselves. What might be the little bit of innovation, right, the little bit of persistence as Christian people, is that we commit to being together. And it, I don't mean just in person, we've got great technology when this isn't the right way. We commit to being together and doing our work to get healthy in this community. It's hard, it's hard work. The language that the clinicians use is trauma-informed, right, that we respect that people who live fragile, fragile lives that don't buck up and get it together, like that tragic funeral we had yesterday, a mistake by a young person, right? That there are many that don't quite make it, that can't make it. And for those of us that do, that somehow have the emotional wiring to keep on keeping on even while we're falling apart inside, God bless you. But those of us that do can keep gathering people and doing the hard work as Wesley says, for our personal sanctification, our personal holiness, let's work on that, our personal health, what God calls us to be, let's do that work. But then also our families, 
Let's do that work where we are broken, maybe for generations. We can face it. We don't have to have it all set. We get to revisit every year, maybe with Juneteenth twice a year, right? We can revisit as much as we want and pray for it and come to this altar and work on it. And then our churches, we got lots of work to do. We have been the carriers in these institutions, all of us, historically of a lot of this division. We've got work to do to gather people, to bring them together, to work on our wholeness and health. And as Wesley would remind us, none of those levels are enough. Everything has to be ordered right. God's will is everything is ordered right. So our advocacy and our work out in the world, and for those who will never darken the doors of this church, because when anyone is vulnerable, we are all vulnerable. And oh my God, has it been brought home to us in this time. It is a literal truth, not speculation. And the other truth we have, the hope in Jesus Christ that we have this day, are the readings that you read. You have been made for freedom. You have been made to free others. You are made to live in love and freedom. And in Christ, friends, we are free. All of the rest of what we do is to live into that reality. There is nothing to be afraid of.